I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. All right, welcome to another Drink of Ages radio show here on ESPN 97.5. I'm John Denman, Tom Painter. Heyo! DJ Muskratch back there, the producer. And this week we're hanging out at New Magnolia Brewing over in... And there's a specific name for this area Shady of town. Acres, Shady Acres. Yeah. Good it's old Shady heights. Acres. It's the Heights. We're in the Heights. We're in the Heights. Uh, not too far from my old house, right down the street, actually. Oh. Kind of thing is, though, that... Uh, when I lived there, there weren't breweries around everywhere, True. and uh, it, it would have been, it would have been nice to have had a brewery right down the street from me. We're not too far from Kings and their delicious chicken wings. Uh, you're right about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, Kings Beer House uh, makes some excellent smoked wings. Huey's, oh, right yeah. there on 18th Street. I know this area is fantastic. There's a lot of really good food yeah. around here. Presley's. Yes. Presley's yeah. makes a mean chicken fried steak. Oh yeah. Lots yeah. of good comfort food. <laughs> Very good, very good stuff. Well, we're at New Magnolia Brewing, and our guest this week is Shane Robinson. Hello, hello. Sean Spiller. Hi. And, uh, man, no, thanks for having us come by this, uh, whatever day is today. It's uh, Tuesday, John. It is Tuesday. <laughs> You're listening, it's Friday. Absolutely. But, <laughs> so it's not confusing at all. It's just, you know, and the, the thing is that, you know, typically by now that we get the show going, there's more beers involved, and I'm just now having my second beer, so. Oh. Well, uh, should get more interesting after this. It is have a lot only of Tuesday. Uh, I think, uh, well, we've got a lot of cans in front of us, a lot yeah. of things going on. Sure. But you guys got a really kick-ass place over here. And, and like I said, we're right off uh, T.C. Jester, 18th, Bevis Street. It's kind of this little corridor. Timber Grove, Shady Acres. Uh, That's it, yeah. Yeah, very easy to get to. And really good beers. Appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, let's yeah. get to the Thank important you. part. Thank yeah, that is, that is the most important thing for us. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's some cool pictures on the wall and all, but it's really what's in the glass. Yeah, nobody comes here to look at the art. They come here to drink beer. <laughs> drink beer. Although, this, uh, your little light chandelier that we have above us right now I love is, it. yeah, with all the pack tech, the little yeah. plastic holders for the six packs. Yep. Yep. That's Glenn Sementelli. He's a local Houston artist. He, uh, he and I met. At a um, at, at a beer festival, uh, an event here in Houston, and uh, we got talking, and he pitched me on the idea of these uh, individual little lampshades that he had made, and I said, well, you know, we can't do just a bunch of little individuals hanging from the ceiling. We need a, a unit, and uh, he came in, and within a week, he he went from concept to physically installing this. Uh, this copper octopus, as it looks like, and he hand bent all those uh, little tentacles by hand over a course of like five or six hours, right here. Uh, kind of made it for the space. Yeah, made it for the space. It's a custom, one of a kind, never, never to be repeated uh, piece of art. Well, I mean, we were sitting underneath it, just kind of talking, and you know, it's above your eyesight, so you just look up, you just see like a chandelier with colors and stuff like that. And until Shiny said something, I went. Oh, hot damn. <laughs> Those are pack checks. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's pretty slick. Woven together individually with little pieces of copper. Yeah, lots of copper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good spot you guys have here, a good outdoor area. The space yeah. is cozy, super unique. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a nice neighborhood feel. Oh, yeah. But you guys started, what, like right before the pandemic hit? 2019 of uh, November. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we had a, a good winter, you know, which is not the strongest uh, opening season for any business. Uh, right. Um, and then right when March was supposed to, you know, everything was supposed to hit the ground running hard. Yeah. Everything uh, stopped. Uh, so, yeah. You know, no, we, yeah. The growing pains of a first year. <laughs> <laughs> the added growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. Our first but year mildly. was like everybody else's first year, exactly. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, how was your first year? Well, yeah, everybody's been hitting the shin really hard <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. 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 Kind of like that. It's like being hit in the funny bone. It's not really funny. It's not it that funny. Like hell, oh, man. Right? Yeah, you're laughing, though. Because <laughs> so what yeah. do you do? It's like <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it hurts. It burns. It tickles. I mean, yeah. it just does. All of, all of the feelings and emotions. It's been a long time since I've actually been hitting the funny bone, but it, it is like a numbing. Oh. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, try just, it you just keep rubbing it oh. until it goes away. And it's, it's kind of like what the last year has been. You just keep at it until it goes away. Yeah. Uh. You know, uh, we had opened the tap room back in November 2019. It's like, you know, like you mentioned, the neighborhood is so strong around us. And uh, the presence of the neighborhood coming into the tap room was really strong, even through that kind of slow winter. It's like all the winters are slow. And, uh, you know, by the time you know march hit and we had to shut down the neighborhood tap room brewery kind of model had to change really fast so just like every every other brewery that i'm sure you'll talk to like what they went through in march and april uh where all the bars are shutting down you know at that point we were draft only yeah uh, we had not you know we have all these cans sitting in front of us now but that wasn't really even part of the plan for the first year of new magnolia but we were kind of you know We've had to adapt a lot. Yeah, <laughs> kind of forced to adapt quite a bit. Forced to adapt. So like where did everybody. you guys go first? Like uh, crowlers, growlers, these? What was the... Oh, man, the evolution was, was quick and intense. It had to um, be. <laughs> we, went, we went from like having a couple boxes of 32-ounce crowlers on hand to ordering pallets of 32-ounce crowlers. And then, boom, the, pa- the crowler like shortage, aluminum shortage, yeah, lands yeah. and... Yep. I wake up one day and I'm like, well, we bought the crawler that can do both a 25 ounce and a 32 ounce. And we immediately switched from 32 to 25 ounce. And I, 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 t- I, I kid you not, like we ran out of our last 32 ounce on a Friday and our 25 ounces were being delivered to the loading dock in the back just in time for us to drag them over and just keep filling because we had a line out the door. And that, that timing of going from 32 to 25 was perfect because we were one of the few venues around town that actually had aluminum that you could fill to go. Right. Because it had the ability, was yeah. sweating 32s, and mm-hmm. we had two pallets of 25 sitting over there. Yeah, no label, we have 32s, and we had ran out. Yeah. And then uh, Rodney Campbell from Cast Brandy was like, hey, man, I got a line on them. Go to contact Nathan at Texas Leaguer. So uh. <laughs> I run over to Texas Leaguer immediately. I was like, hey. I hear you may got he got some cans laying around. There was a lot of and that then, happening. And then, and sure enough, like he's like, it's like you want them? It was like, it was like you got like you got them. We'll split it in half. So I took it, and right as I'm about to leave, James Carlisle from Ingenious rolls up. And he's like, oh no! I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's none left. We got them. He's like, Argh. you don't go to the Rolodex. And it was because like, it was can shortage, can search. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, but it's funny how there's a lot of. A lot of breweries lean on each other through the entire oh, like pandemic. Like we were, we kept on running out of cans, and we contact like like Spindle Tap or Eighth Wonder, and it's 
Yeah. Cause... Oh man, there's gonna be like a thousand stories of that, like the and the industry kind of coming together in that way. You mentioned Huey's at the beginning. We've been supplying them with, yeah. hooking them up with crowlers. Well, they have the Drink of Ages storage. old crowler machine. Ah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they do. do. Yes. All that equipment, you know, it stayed in the city. It, it stayed in the so city. Well, it's, yeah. it's being put to good use. It, it, it found a great home. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Is what happened. Yeah, yeah. Manny's an awesome guy. It was paired yeah. with the be- the best shaking beef you can find. Yeah. 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 Oh, so I mean, it was it was. Trust me, it wasn't fun like going through that whole process. We were we were canning up thirty-two ounce crowlers. We were doing six to seven hundred a weekend, right? That's awesome. That's incredible when you think about the number of of crawlers and then pivoting the 25 ounces it's all that beer that would have been draft beer but people are you know it's, yeah. you know basically all of our product locked down and the only way that we really had to sell was through crawlers in the tap room um, yeah and we did a lot of yeah we, we did, did a lot, lot. We did a lot of crawlers a lot of crawlers yeah. people were really thirsty those first two months though like the first two months of the solid lockdown yeah like when everyone was locked down together like our sales were like i know i know label we were like, Shh, like this isn't so bad Not terrible, we can yeah. make this work and then uh but it's when it's when everything else opened up and then the breweries were still closed was like, was like, okay, this isn't, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> this right. is unfair. Oh, the first start of the lockdown, everybody, like, so I remember being on lockdown. It, it started off in March of this week, last year, right? right? Literally this week. And I was on spring break with my wife and kids, and uh, we're like, well, let's just stay a little bit longer. And then we come back, and we're still closed until April. But when we opened back up, at the beginning of that lockdown, everybody was just like, all right, I don't have to do any work. Like every, it was like a free for all. Like it was like spring break for Adults. the United States. <laughs> a lot of yeah. people were being told work for home for two weeks, and then you're yeah. coming back. You're like, what? It's ten a.m. Really I can have a beer now. Right, Let's get yeah. busy. No, yeah. we were Let's doing a lot of uh, to go drinking at home personally too during the, the first two weeks, trying to take advantage of right. you know. And then you know, I think yeah, like everybody else, that whole thing sort of trailed off a little bit. Well, it was yeah. very strange when the restaurants were, were back open, restaurants with bars, but then the breweries were still closed. And then all of a sudden you could see the, almost that split. Absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, where, yeah. you know, breweries had an avenue where a big focus group that, that, that yeah. we're only buying from the breweries. And then all of a sudden restaurants opened back up and think, people just wanted to get out for a minute. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, a lot of breweries sales started suffering there. And I think one of, one of the biggest things for us during the time and one of the things that we sort of acknowledged and realized was happening is a lot of people were buying beer in the grocery stores. You know, people weren't, mm-hmm. nobody knew what the hell was going on and people were going to, trying to make one stop. You're going to buy groceries, you're going to buy beer and you're going to go home. You're not going to go around to a bunch of different places picking up stuff. So that kind of, you know, basically forced our hand into canning beer um, which we started mobile canning, uh, you know, very July. in July, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were doing it through the tap room without, you know, we didn't need to have labels or anything like that through the tap room, but trying to go as fast as we can um, from a, you know, small neighborhood tap room brewery concept to uh, distribution or, you know, a, a, a locally, dis- you know, not this like s- statewide distribution, but just trying to get into stores as quick as we can you know um packages king well you know definitely during exactly when your tap room is closed packages king you know for us tap room for any brewery any any brewery tap room is king yes right Uh, but when tap room is legally not able to be a thing then you have to you know kind of you got to pivot you have to pivot and and 
our pivot moment was, hey, we know we're inevitably or eventually going to be in can format, so let's just lean into the 16 ounce. Let's get our let's go and flip format. like to page 33 of the yeah. business plan. Yeah. <laughs> just skip those other 20. Right. Yeah, just get right there. Yeah, I mean that's literally we, 18 months became day one. Right. Like yeah. you know, and so we knew that that was the end game, and so we just leaned into it heavily and. We really scored with a graphic artist who's just top notch. Uh, he's been putting all these great labels together, and and we realized there was shelf space available in the grocery stores and liquor stores around town because the outside, out of state, uh, you know, distributors and and breweries just weren't coming in here anymore because they couldn't get their product in because of logistics. So we capitalized on that, and we've been winning space ever since, and tap handles. Across All the right, season. let's uh, take a quick break and get back. We'll talk more with New Magnolia Brewing Company. This is Drink of Ages. doing something pretty badass. The Hill Country collab is going to be a collaboration with Rough House Brewing, Jester King, Oddwood Ells, and Lazarus. Cannot tell you any more details, but follow True Anomaly on social media because there will be an announcement made next week. This collab is going to be real cool. But every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. in the tap room, come out for trivia with some badass prizes. If you're looking for a great event space, book the Barrel Room. Go to trueanomalybrewing.com for more information. For all fish and beer, that is what's on everyone's mind. Stop by New Magnolia this Sunday for a great beers and excellent crawfish by Crawfish Chris. With them tapping Roselle Saison, a mixed culture fermented Saison conditioned on Roselle hibiscus, this beer is bright, tart, funky, tropical, and juicy. Also tapping is Belgian Quad. This beer is a super rich, malt-forward, tasty Belgian ale. Brown sugar and caramel flavors round out this 8.3% ABV beer. Come out and enjoy the big patio at New Magnolia, and I'm pretty sure you're going to find your next favorite beer. All right, this is Drink of Ages Radio here on ESPN 97.5. We are back hanging out at New Magnolia Brewing Company. And we've got Shane Robinson, Sean Spiller is our guest, Tom Painter. Over uh, I'm John Denman. And now it's time to hear the very beautiful sound of uh, beer can opening up. And then the aroma is coming from this nicely dry hop Kolsch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's delicious. So we started, um, we had Kolsch from the get-go, like we, we thought we were going to want to make Kolsch year-round, really dialed in, you know, really well-made Kolsch. It was a beer we're very proud of. Yeah. Crisp, clean, uh, delicious beer. As we grew, we started adding beers. We had a really well-made Pilsner. We added that light lager. The Kolsch started not to make sense as its own standalone thing. You can't have a bunch of pale, crushable, crispy beers. Mm-hmm. We, we took the Kolsch. We dry hopped it in a little one barrel fermenter as a small batch just for the tap room with like three pounds per barrel mosaic, a nice heavy dose. Um, that beer was so successful, we just had people coming back every weekend asking for it. So we decided to brew it as its own special thing. Um, it is a very traditional Kolsch, uh, you know, Pilsner malt, the right water, uh, fermented very cold, lagered, and then dry hopped 
the snot out of it with uh, with a bunch of mosaic. So we take this like very traditional German beer and then make it very much American just by the dry hopping. Yeah, um, I think we were surprised too by the fact that there was biotransformation that occurred oh, yeah. from the, the mosaic going into the Kolsch because the, that Kolsch as a standalone, crystal clear, beautiful, yeah. crisp, bright beer, and then we put that dry hop aspect on. Add it, a, just a little slight totally haze to it. Up. Yeah, grab you one. <laughs> there we go. There's <laughs> more. No, Welcome yeah. to the show, Carlos. <laughs> no, the, the, the beer's delicious because it's, I mean, it, it's super light, which means you can drink a whole bunch of them. That's the awesome. most important thing. And But also, it doesn't, but it doesn't, it's, it's full-bodied, right? Like, it, it's, it's got all that presence and profile, so it's when, got a little extra heft to it, so you feel like you're drinking this You know, this and I think the, the heft comes from, like, the concentration of hop. Mm-hmm. you know characteristics it's really not you know if you were to just take away that dry hop that's our Kolsch right but you add yeah. that dry hop and then it takes it and it does add texture it does add body it does add heft um, but yeah we take this little 4% puny beer into a place that's like you know pour it blind in somebody's glass they taste it they're like what IPA is this right it's not an IPA no it's you know it's yeah. basically a lager with, that's been dry hopped. Um, so I think that's why I love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. It just Thank stretches you. the palate just a little bit. Right. Past that traditional Kolsch. Yeah. Definitely. It yeah. I mean, you still get the crispiness of the Kolsch. Yeah. But then the the, the, the hops of a good IPA. Right. And kind of our, you know, at least as a brewer, for me, my main focus in making beer is to make a beer that people want to have multiples of. Right. You know. I don't want somebody to come to a bar, have, like come to the bar, have one of it, and be like, "Okay, I don't know that I don't know that I can have another, that I can have another." Definitely a golf course beer. Oh, right here. Yeah. I mean, it already sure. smells like fresh cut grass. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That would be a really good golf course beer. But giving you all of the flavor that you, you know would expect from hopefully from like an IPA that's like you know, six to seven percent that you might just be able to have right. two of before you're really starting to feel like, okay, I got to slow down. You know, maybe you get through the four pack of this before you feel like that. Yeah. All the flavor without the big crushing ABV. Yeah, really. Challenge uh, accepted. Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, so last Sunday was at No Label, and they have a triple IPA on tap. Sure. Yeah. That is not. I mean, it's a quick session, <laughs> if you want it to be. But that was one that. Uh, uh, it was a little shocking because uh, the ABV, so I drank it a little slower, but it sure. was really good for a triple IPA, but those high-powered beers, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, a lot of breweries are kind of tending towards like going to the lower ABV beers, more sessionable, more just throw down beers, but it's good to see every once in a while, just like, yep, no, we oh, make some good low oh, wow. ABV beers, but hey, here's a 12 percenter yeah. that uh, you can crush. Yeah. That's the problem with our head brewer, Ryan Trailer from San Diego and all he just keeps on making these deceptively they taste light but they aren't yeah uh, yeah I agree a, with there's that. a nuance to it I mean you don't want to be able with, to taste it on your first but it's like this right. too it's just like Pint, if it yeah. tastes bigger than what it is you know it's like oh someone's there's some magic happening behind the scenes right, right? yeah and right. they're like and that's the stuff you really appreciate with drinking great beers <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah that, that's kind of the thing for us it, it again it's just about Mostly just about, you know, especially the stuff that we're drinking in cans, highly drinkable beer, you know. We just want to make sure somebody wants to have multiples of whatever we're having, whatever we're trying to make. What are right. your top sellers in the tap room? What, what's oh, the, yeah. 
Um, I mean, week over week, we have this conversation. Redwood is our West Coast uh, IPA. That kind of leads the pack week over week. Um, fighting for second place uh, week over week is our Heights Light Lager. Um, American Light Lager, 4%, super clean, bright, crisp. I mean, just spot on. Uh, took a bronze in one of the big beer competitions last year. Um, so that speaks for itself. Um, and then congratulations on that. Yeah, uh, that's that's we really got, big. We had two medals in our first year. Yeah, so kind of stoked on that. That's yeah. pretty. Yeah, you like medals. We got some medals. Yeah, we got a little hardware on the wall now. Yeah. yeah. And then and then like our uh, our WYSIWYG, which is our juicy IPA. Uh, that's a third strong place contender. And then we had a, a Czech Amber Lager that we did. Um, that was solid fourth place and then kind of 88 pilsner bounces in and out of the top four just depending on what it's competing against on the lineup we want all of these guys to like be out in the pack together out front i mean that would be nice yeah and or you know if you have your favorite you're like my favorite's in third place we gotta you know, ramp this up a little bit <laughs> no, it's, well, we, <laughs> it's been really nice to see like really if you just break it down hoppy beer which is also like the dry up kolsch which kind of blurs the lines between hoppy beer and pale lager which right. is heights light 88 pills that's like you know a, our our biggest sellers are pale lager and hoppy beer which is we do a lot of those things you know we do a lot of other things to kind of fill the fill the blanks in between they might not be the best sellers but we're all really proud of those beers as well um yeah. but you know obviously the market's always going to speak for itself in terms of what they want to see the most of and this year was the biggest kind of teller for us uh and when we rolled out Heights Light this year, it kind of showed us that, like, oh, damn, like, Houston is sort of ready, or this neighborhood is ready for a uh, really well-made American light lager, that, that big beer uh, style brewed with good ingredients and really good water locally. Um, so that Heights Light, really excited that that's kind of grown into be its own thing. Pills always. Uh, we're excited about adding more hoppy beers, more lager, pale lager beers as the years uh, as the year goes on. Yeah, we, I mean, we're you know, speaking of lagers, I mean, we're we're kind of doubling down on that um, by bringing in lagering tanks. Yeah. Yeah, we've got um, two 15-barrel horizontal conditioning tanks. A very uh, German vessel for conditioning lager beer and and other beers uh, that should be they just passed through the uh, the uh, Panama Canal today. Oh really? Uh, John said he oh, got cool. a little alert. Uh, these tanks are we're getting alerts like a FedEx shipment or something. Like every right. Day it's like, but it came oh, well, from the other side of the, the world. Oh, yeah. Well, you on should a, know where, where those things are. Uh, yeah. 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 No, it's good. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, we've been you know, all the infrastructure is built out. Basically, it just we're. Um, the market has shown us, or the neighborhood has shown us, that they really like lager, and we're going to double down on that. We're going to make more Czech Amber, a lot more different pills throughout the year, and mm -hmm. just tons more Heights Light, because uh, that's been Heights Light and Redwood. Those are the two that we uh, are trying to keep up with uh, at this point. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, I'm really enjoying this dry hop Kolsch. Uh, by the time the show starts again after this little quick break, I will be opening up. I don't know, Tom, what did you just open up? I just opened up this 88 pills. It's so far, it's so good. All right, <laughs> that might be next. This is Drink of Ages. Be right back. Our friends up in Porter at Back Pew Brewing Company is making some great beers and doing it in an old snake handling speaking in tongues church. 
The well water has been blessed and used to make both sinners and saints line up. Up next is Me Beer. This is going to be a blonde Doppelbach weighing in at a nice 10% ABV. This limited release will be available beginning of April. Also in April, put on your calendar Saturday, April 3rd, and come out to the back pew to celebrate five years of them making some great beers. You've never been out to the sanctuary? You need to come check them out. Back Pew Brewing Company. Spindletop Brewery has partnered with Texas EquiSearch and on March 20th will be releasing Loss is Not Alone IPA and having a citywide fundraiser with bars across the Houston area. Tapping Loss is Not Alone and everyone donating much-needed funds to assist in covering the cost of searches. If you are not familiar with Texas EquiSearch, the organization was created in August 2000 with a purpose to provide volunteer search and recovery for lost and missing persons. Spindletap is very happy to be able to help. Look for Loss is Not Alone March 20th at Spindletap Brewery and in the good beer bars across Houston the following week. Eureka Heights has been making interesting and approachable and fun beers since 2016. If you like awards, they got them. How about two gold medals at the Great American Beer Festival, the largest beer competition in the United States? The beers include flagships like Buckle Bunny Cream Ale, one of my all-time favorites, Mini Boss IPA, to seasonals like Neon Moon Belgian Single, plus launching soon, Busy Pants Hard Seltzer. You can find their tasty beverages all across Houston or at the tap room located in the Heights. The tap room is currently open Thursday through Sunday and is probably jamming out to some yacht rock right now, keeping it smooth and mellow. Eureka Heights, grab some beers and some high fives. Uh, the sound once again of a beer can opening. I love to start off another segment of Drink of Ages Radio here on ESPN 97.5. We are hanging out at New Magnolia Brewing Company, Shane Robinson, Sean Spiller. I'm John Denman. Tom Painter's across the table from me. I'm, I'm right here, entering segment three, approaching segment four, yada, yada, yada. This is usually this is usually when the, the juicy stuff happens, you know, in sure. the show. Okay. And which, at this time, I'm actually pouring a beer that this is with passion fruit and pink guava. <laughs> He's going to so, so, lose it. Sean just gave me some side. <laughs> yeah, the camera's on. They're all going to see it. Uh, Tom, Tom let me know uh, before we started filming today that he does not drink beer that's below 5%, which I have strong No, I strong didn't say I didn't about. drink beer that's... Uh, I, normally, I don't. Normally. I like to stick around the 5 level. 5 is five is good. 5 is like, like you're walking a dog, but you're going at a slightly brisk pace. It's still manageable. It's still manageable. Like, like, so, when, would you ever go for the brisk pace, like just without the, you know, or just like the, the steady walk, but without building, you know? Well, I'm, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> well, one of one of the things, as doing uh, as many shows as it is, it's I think. Coming. I don't know. I don't even know what 200 some odd, almost 300 shows. I'm not even sure where we are. 348. 348. So. 348, you know, bounced around to a lot of breweries. And a lot of the breweries that we've gone to is like the, the first startup, you know, go in and, and try some beers. And, you know, there's several of them that the beers needed a lot of work, right? And some of them start off really good, but it could improve upon. The first time I tried the beers here, you know, it was just like, man, you guys are making solid beers. I mean, they, they, it's, it's not like the best beers I've ever had or anything, but you guys are making beers that there aren't, there's nothing wrong with them. You know, and there's a, a lot of room to, you know, like you're sure. already at this point making great beers. You're only going to be making better beers. I think to the point right. of the best beers you've ever had, that's something that I think about a lot, too. I think about a lot, like, um, how a beer impacts somebody when they're having it, right? Like, whether or not you have it and you're like, that's really good or, like, 
this like wow factor that totally blows you away that like you know just overwhelms you and that's something to strive for for some breweries but i think again for us like it doesn't have to just like sit you down and like you know put you to reckoning you know in terms of uh in terms of how uh, it, it impacts you, we want to have a beer that's again that's like so drinkable that's like that's really good. We want to keep drinking it. It's so clean, no sort of you know. You know. Well, there's there's more work to be had if the ABV isn't that strong, right? So well, like, oh, it's it's it all comes down but, to that, right? But you got to remember, like, you, you shouldn't go to the. Uh, I mean, this is my philosophy, right? Don't go to a brewery just to like pigeonhole your consumption rate because of a style of beer that you're specifically pursuing. In other words, like, people come in and they're like, I want a hazy. But we're like, well, we've got a lot of other really great things we can offer you, so go for that. And I, and I, I like to personally meander my way through a, a good tap wall, um, trying everything across the board. I usually try, like, light to dark or dark to light Absolutely. or high to low or what low should to I high be Right. And I, and, I, and, and I work my way through the menu. And, and when you can cons- work your way from consistent beer to consistent beer to consistent beer, that's when you've stumbled on something that's, like, worth returning for. Um, and and, and that's, that's where I think a lot of people cut themselves short is that just, like, I just want one specific X, Y, Z. Don't forget, it also goes back to our philosophy. Like, we, we felt like somewhere along the way, breweries, head brewers, the consumer base – lost their way and they were getting pulled in directions that weren't necessarily true to the style of beer that they were making and so a lot of our philosophy here is like let's get back to the to the basic let's get back to the where beer came from the craft beer that where it came from in the world where it came from from a stylistic perspective and let's do a really good job at those beers so that people come back and realize like oh that's what a pilsner is supposed to taste like or that's what a west coast is supposed to be or whatever it is that we're doing as opposed to like some perverted version of of whatever some other this is our american version of an esb this is our american version of a czech pilsner right now it's uh that has always been the the thing that that we focus on in terms of starting with square one in the brew house um we're always as traditional as possible grain as traditional ratios sources Water, we're really nerds about. Um, we start with pure reverse osmosis water. We build, we don't use like Houston water as it comes. We take basically strip it all away and build upon that to make, um, you know, mineral content. If we're making an ESB, we take Burton water. If we're making Czech pills, pills and water, German water, you know, all of these things to make it as stylistically accurate. We build the water profile. That's right, what he's yeah. saying. And, 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 and upon that, too, just like the basics of what the recipe would have been, if we're going to make an American version of it, we're going to make it on the backs of what the, the Berliner Weiss that we're drinking right now, that gets a lot of scoffs at 3.5%. Sorry, Todd. 3.5% ABV. What traditional Berliner Weiss was above 3.5? Berliner Weiss should never be above 4%, but we see so, so many of them that are... Six percent and say Berliner Weiss on it. Not a single ever in history Berliner Weiss. And I realize that Berliner Weiss might not have passion fruit and guava in it traditionally, but we're gonna ride on like what made that beer traditionally so acceptable. So like you know, we didn't as Americans invent any of these styles. 
right? Like most of the things that were so popular in brewing, whether it be IPA or lagers, they didn't originate in America. For hundreds of years elsewhere, they honed these styles and the, and the guidelines around these styles. Yeah. We're trying to pay uh, respect in, uh, to that tradition in a lot of ways. Uh, we're, we're you know trying to do things as traditionally and as historically accurate as possible down to like the the little tiny parameters of the beer making yeah. and water is a big part of that. I, I, yeah, water is the most critical aspect of what we do yeah. beyond um, everything else. Um, but we're also not like style jumping to, the, to, to, to just try to like fit a beer into a style for the sake of capturing the audience of that style. No. You see that a lot in competitions. Um, not a fan of that. That's definitely not what we're up, up, up to in this brew house here. Yeah, it's just interesting, you know, it's like, why didn't Ireland brew a good Pilsner or a good Kolsch? Why didn't Germany brew a big, a nice stout? You know, why didn't these things actually happen? And why did they happen where they did? Let's ponder this during this break. All right, this is Drink of Ages. Be right back. Weekends are a great time to check out Megaton Brewing in Kingwood. Jared, Chris, and the gang have created a badass place to kick back and enjoy a few beers. Big stouts, approachable sours, and plenty of hoppy brews are on tap at Megaton. Lots of space to hold your birthday party, corporate outing, or any event in one of the most unique tap rooms in the Houston area. Check them out on social media for their concert and event schedule. Megaton Brewery. Hope to see everyone at the vault. You may have noticed there have been quite a few changes at No Label, and they are steadily pumping out tasty brews. With their new head brewer trailer bringing in his West Coast brewing skills, taps have been flowing with lots of hoppy deliciousness like Cali Boy West Coast IPA. I'm real excited about what they're doing on the West Side. Top room is open seven days a week, very family and dog friendly. Make the short trip to Katie and see what is happening at No Label. Follow them on social media for events and beer releases. No Label Brewing Company. Special announcement from Platypus Brewery. F off, mate. The latest taproom release is an American Hefeweizen that is chalky in appearance, generously dry hopped, imparting citrus and stone fruit flavors in a light and refreshing beer. Very easy on the palate. Also hitting the taproom at Platypus is Rough End of the Pineapple, a pineapple jalapeno sour. It sounds crazy, but it works very well, especially when you pair it with the chicken wings. Food specials all week long, including Chicken Parmy Tuesdays, Surf and Turf Wednesdays, Texas Barbecue Thursdays, and Fish and Chips Fridays. PlatypusBrewing.com, open Tuesdays through Sunday. That's a good time right there. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, Sean Spiller. With the sound effects, Shane Robinson. We're over at New Magnolia Brewing Company, and man, before we left the last segment, took before we took our break, we were discussing like why certain beer styles are where they are. So, I mean, Ireland is known for Irish stout, right? Uh, Czech pilsner. Right, but before stout, there was porter, right? And and. Then there were stout porter, and then of course everything that happened in the. Well, we, don't, we don't need to go into a, a history lesson to get into all of these styles, but yeah, there's an origin for every style and, and how it um, evolves uh, throughout a society. Um, and in America, that's kind of the best story of how all of these styles have kind of uh, evolved. And I mean, 
think any kind of beer nerd knows the story about IPA, and it's this kind of tired, boring story of uh, uh, beer in a barrel from IPA, and they hopped in, and blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, it's nothing All like those people that were on those boats are like, I curse you. That was a lot of work. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, n- nobody really cares about that, you know, types of stuff. But and all those boats got beer names, so they, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, styles evolve um, because of a culture, you know. It, it, it's basically... Of, you know what people want to be drinking during a certain time. He, he kind of brought up like German beer culture versus uh, English beer culture, and like the you know a lot of German beer culture in, in, in terms of lager came from the Czech Republic. Like Pilsner mm-hmm. started in Pilsen <clears throat> in the UK, and then they smuggled yeast, a monk smuggled yeast to uh, Germany to start making Pilsner because there was not such a bright, clear, pale beer. And you talk about malting uh, techniques and, and stuff. Uh, you know, this is a history lesson that I, I feel like we don't have time for. <laughs> but really, uh, what it comes down to is that the, the beer kind of serves the place, you know, and, and, and the, the climate and the culture. Um, and that's where I think we've seen this rise in lager mm. and, uh, and IPA, you know, uh, American-driven ingredient beer and also just crushable, you know, crispy drinking uh, sessionable beer. Beer, when you boil it down to it, it's always, always going to be the social lubricant. It's always there for a purpose of, of uh, bringing people together, really. Um, that's that's where, if, if you try to kind of, you know, uh, analyze any beer culture anywhere, it always has to do with community and uh, and and how it, how it brings people together. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah <clears throat> always. I mean, honestly, I... If I only drink beer when I'm hanging out with people. Yeah. I just have to hang out with people, people all the time. Day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and your beer tastes and what you want to drink kind of are, are you know, uh, influenced by the people you're hanging out with or the frequency of. And, you know, this last year is not really a good uh, year to judge any of that on. No. <laughs> no. But you know what it is? What's really cool is, though, because of how Houston came to be Houston, built by the Eastern Europeans that came in to do the work for the ship channel, the railroad, um, all the agricultural, everything that was going on here in the late mid eight, mid to late 1800s, they brought with them all of their uh, cultural preferences and some of the greatest brewing techniques in the world. And they, and you know, you, you know, you see all this throughout the history of early Houston and the number of breweries that literally just existed downtown. And that's, you know, there's a lot to be said about that because it's, it's a lot of history that's been forgotten about beer and about Houston at large. And that's kind of what we pay homage to here. It, Houston's really good about forgetting about history. I mean, if you look at the city and how many historical buildings we've torn down and rebuilt other things upon, and, and we continue to do so. River Oaks Theater, I mean... I don't know uh, if no, anybody understands tough. what's going on with them right now. It's the only independently owned theater in Houston, and um, the uh, landlord has refused to uh, renew their... It's, it's just another story about how we, uh, as Houstonians, uh, continue to erase culture. 
But if you look back, and very few have looked back into Houston beer culture, it is so incredibly rich. One of the richest of uh, mm-hmm. any city in Texas, really. There was, it was so much city. beer. Like, like right now, if you combined all Houston breweries and how much beer, and we're like, oh, man, we, people are sitting there talking about we're, we're about to burst a bubble no. in the amount of beer no. because there's so many breweries. If you look at the volume of beer that's being brewed now compared to what was being brewed back then right pre-prohibition right 120 years ago they'd be laughing at our bubble yes yeah our homage brewery was brewing upwards of 250,000 barrels a year yeah, yeah. The, original the original magnolia brewery that's 1895 yes. to 1912 right such a volume yeah that that yeah again there are fewer breweries well i don't know there's a lot of argument then uh you know uh, a lot of people are consuming beer that is not made in Texas. There weren't these like large uh, conglomerates, uh, the big breweries making mm-hmm. these beers. But um, so much of the beer was just produced just right down there, right down the uh, street. Yeah, that, that yeah, beer, here, that, all of this Magnolia, and then down in Galveston. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, downtown. I mean, yeah. I think one of my favorite things to tell people is: did, did anybody realize that Howard Hughes owned Gulf Brewing, which was basically all of Edo, and that's what he got him through the wartime efforts because all of his manufacturing facilities were commissioned by the U.S. government to make military-grade equipment, and he survived and he kept going by making beer through Gulf Brewing. We got to do a drink of ages like history show special yeah invite us back yeah just uh, we would, a little education for, for like like for pieces from all the breweries around town no, it, it, it's, the, I, the I think a lot of you know there's not a lot of Houston breweries that are talking about it maybe you know or there, there's well, so Ronnie Crocker Ronnie Crocker wrote his book Ronnie Crocker, and yeah. that was a phenomenal yeah. I mean, easy fun great read and, uh, yeah, and yeah. he wrote he wrote his book and it told a, a, a history of Houston that I had never heard of right yeah, so and, when, and often people still continue to overlook. Yeah, when we first opened, he messaged me on one of the social media platforms and gave me the thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Which cool. really He's cool. one of the, the sweetest, most kind people that I've ever met in my life. Yep. Right. We're, we're a, unfortunately a city that's so quick to forget our, you know, our, where we come from. Um, and our name is, is one of the smallest ways that we can kind of help to, you know, give uh to to bring people back into understanding you know houston beer culture was one of the richest in the state you know uh the magnolia brewing company was like the biggest producer of ice you know you know when all the breweries closed down during prohibition they they made ice ice they were right there on the bayou you know what i mean the the magnolia ballroom is all that exists of the original magnolia brewery it's still there um but right there along the bayou uh, making and shipping ice along the bayou to somebody, uh, you know. I mean, like right right now, we look at the bayou like I'm not get, drinking ice out of that. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm not even gonna. Well, touch they had, it. They, had three, doing kayak, yeah. they had three Perhaps. deep artesian wells right there. Right. That they were siphoning water out of the ground from. Yeah. Yep. There, there's so much crazy stuff. Uh, right at like Houston Avenue, 45 North Main, right there That's was like it. a giant swimming hole at yeah. one time. Beautiful artesian well coming out swimming in there you know it was like a party spot yeah and now it's what it is you know saying that though and and but 
it's nice to walk along Buffalo Bayou and seeing what's happened in the last 10 years because it's, you know, Houston has been making great strides in bringing the natural beauty out of what's already there. Yeah, the parks are, have you know never, yeah, yeah. never been better. No, it's like, I remember uh, yes. Free Press Houston or the uh, Summerfest, like right. 2009 or something like that. And just like, it, it's just it, it's amazing to see, and well, I'm hopeful, and 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 that that Houstonians can kind of um, uh, dig deeper into their history and, and be proud of, of the things that exist here. Well, look at what the Memorial Park building right. an overpass for animals. That's crazy. Uh, I'm excited to see that. Yes, uh, finished. You know, finished. Yeah. So as a, as, as a person who's connected to the, the running community of Houston, you yeah. know, everything above the waist is no good. But everything down, you know. <laughs> like I like to run half marathons and marathons, and the fact is, Houston is connecting all these parts of Houston finally together. Like West Houston, like yeah. doing all these parks that connect it to the uh, like all the an interconnected city that you can like. Oh, I can run twenty six miles from here to here. This is pretty wild. It's crazy and having then you can access downtown Houston and like it. Just all those things connected connected to like the past in a weird like you know. And, and like, it's interesting to think that it's only happening in in the last few years. This is something that's going to last hopefully 100 years or more. You go to an older city like Philadelphia, they've got these bayous that have been there for, you know, I say bayous, the, these river walks that have existed for so long. Uh, we're just making things that are going to last for a long time, and that's, you know, the way that we think about this brewery. <laughs> we're well, building things that are going to last longer. The best part about it is, like, I'll, I can speak from a different perspective. Having lived in New York prior to coming to Houston, in grad school, we used to talk about Houston and how... It was the ex- the sandbox for metropolitan growth in North America, and how when you juxtaposed it to New York City, which was just build vertical, concrete, sidewalk, subway, and that's all you've got, they looked at Houston and said, you have all these amazing green spaces that are not connected, so connect them. And you have all this, it was the largest city in North America that had the most undeveloped land within three miles of its downtown radius. And so Urban Land Institute and the city of Houston, all these incredible institutions did all this amazing research and invested tons of dollars in figuring out how do we connect it all? How do we make it so that it um, is a amenity to the city and to the people that live in the city? And, you know, Rich Kinder and the Kinder, Kinder Foundation, because of their private-public partnership with Houston, and I'm not, like, promoting this by any stretch, but I'm just saying, like, here, here is where it, it works in that example of how do you promote a city to make it better from both internal, internally and externally to the world around it so that you capitalize on what you have available, which yeah. was open spaces and, and resources. And, and so, like, other cities now are learning from Houston, and, and we're actually the most studied city in the world based on development and economic growth. Yeah. It's all really exciting stuff, though. Pre-beer. And yeah. for us, the way it impacts us is that, like, you know, we're a very walkable neighborhood. We can see people coming off this, you know, white oak by T.C. Jester. It's just... Yep. Um, all of the promotion of all of these things is really vital to not only the beer culture, but us as a city. Well, I mean, having trails, it's like people are training for the MS-150 right now. Yeah. People are, people are getting those bike trails. And the yeah. fact is, like, people are from Ireland or whatever can access or are going down these routes, and all of a sudden they can access here, right? Oh, yeah. man. Like, yeah. It's, like, it's only a... Uh, so, yeah, 15 minutes, ride. yeah, 20 minutes. Right. 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 Right.
are all participating yeah. in all of this. And as much as I uh, would love to continue this conversation, and we can continue it, right? But uh, got to close out this show. Yeah. The ESPN show, the rest of the shows can continue on. But for uh, for our radio show, let's uh, close this out. But uh, tell us what's coming up here. At yeah, so uh, this week we've got a couple of exciting activities. Um, we have crawfish on Sunday from noon till gone. Uh, that's crawfish Chris. He'll be bringing in um, a couple hundred pounds of bugs. Uh, we did it two weeks ago. It was a huge success like he makes some like good food 500 yeah. pounds yeah we went through crawfish. 500 pounds and yep. he, and good old spradley man yeah dude man, does a good job he was killing it and and uh so we're looking forward to that going into the next week uh we've got live music on saturday of the following weekend um and then a couple beer releases coming out too right yeah we've got a bunch of new beer releases for this week we've got a nice they're all small batch taproom only um uh, strong Belgian quad, super multi-rich beer. We've got uh, some brew club beers. We have a special brew club here that's a hazy IPA. Um, we've got a brand new, uh, we do a lot of mixed culture beer here, things on the side. You know, I've got the Jester King background. I, I can't really let that go. We've got a hibiscus <laughs> saison on. Um, we've also got fresh batches of Heights Light. Redwood IPA and WYSIWYG on draft for this weekend. And this Redwood IPA is delicious. Yeah, oh, that's, what, that's what I'm you. drinking, too. I've heard a segment about low ABV beers, and you guys brought out this nice 6.5%. Uh, you got to build it up. You can't start I know. You, it's like a seduction. <laughs> I get it. We're sending you home. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the foreplay. What are the, what are the hours over here? New Magnolia. Uh, so, you know, we're open seven days a week, Monday through Wednesday, 3 to 7 p.m., Thursday, we go a little later till 8 p.m., and then Friday, 2 to 9 p.m., and then Saturday, 12 to 9, Sunday, 12 to 7. All right, man, appreciate it. If you guys have never been out here, man, you need to stop by New Magnolia. Very easy, very close to downtown, right here in the, in the Heights, Timber Grove area. Great beers, good people, good place to come by. Have some pizza. I already had some. Lots of parking. Lots of Lots parking. Of par Tons of outdoor space. Yeah, you don't have to sit inside. You know, it's not a cramped little uh, brewery tapper. No, no, it's a, it's a good spot, man. I'm really proud of what you guys have done. Congratulations on the medal and congratulations on the delicious beers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sorry. Appreciate you guys being here. All right, uh, you can listen to any of the old shows sponsored by No Label Brewing Company by going to drinkofages.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, various other dark web pages you got to be careful some of them specifically the dark web specifically the dark web <laughs> Any of those. uh yeah never search oh never mind i'm not gonna get to that uh john move on move on move on <laughs> what's happening at no label tom uh what's happening at no label we just released uh, a triple ipa called hipster apocalypse our iris stouts dropped our iris stout on nitros dropped our iris short and six packs have dropped we have crawfish every saturday um live music friday saturdays and sundays um if it's the weekend, if the weather's great, it's always a party, and uh, beer releases throughout. And uh, coming this weekend, Don Jalapeno, our collaboration with Blood Brothers Barbecue, is dropping in the tap room. It's uh, great pale ale, but with smoked peppers from the Blood Brothers themselves. And they do great barbecue, and we do great beer, and those together, good times. Any case, that's no label. I think we need to do a Drink of Ages Blood Brothers rib. 
collaboration. Uh, anything with ribs is Just good. a beef rib. <laughs> Just a big, big brontosaurus beef one rib. rib. One rib. On That's a Drink of Ages, Blood Brothers collaboration. <laughs> rib. That <laughs> uh, place is fantastic. My favorite barbecue place in Houston by far. That's All right. Great. I want to thank everybody for listening. Everybody be safe out there. Talk to everyone next week. John Burgerstock, 20-year physician assistant with the last decade focused on wellness medicine. He's also a 30-year military veteran and a graduate from Baylor College of Medicine. John Burgerstock is a friend of mine. He is the founder of Kiti Wellness. We're going to talk with some stuff about testosterone. We all sit around. We drink a little bit of beer. We probably don't eat the healthiest a lot of times. At least I don't. And it's just good to know what your numbers are because you know sometimes you're running a little slower. It might not be because of the night before. John, tell us about low T and, and like side effects and, and what exactly it is. Yeah, great. Thanks for, for having me on today, uh, John. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, lack of education out there today regarding guys and their testosterone levels. There's also a little bit of a stigma surrounding that, so we're, we're often reluctant to even talk about it, much less go get it checked. But basically, low testosterone is you know levels of testosterone that's verified with a blood test. And if your levels are below a certain point, you know, we're, we're labeled as having low testosterone. Depending on the presence of symptoms, you know, you, your level could be at 400 and still have a number of symptoms where you're being affected by this, but not a lot of doctors would want to recognize that. Basically, that's what it means to have low levels, and a lot of guys are aware it affects a lot of things about how we feel, how we kind of operate our key uh, hormone for, for men. So, you know, low levels can affect us starting in our mid-30s and beyond. It gets worse as the, as the years go by. Statistically, they say we lose our testosterone levels drop 1% to 2% per year after the age of 35, which is 10 to 20% per decade of life. Pretty significant by the time you get into your 40s and 50s. You're definitely feeling that at some point, and a lot of guys are feeling it and don't even know that that's what it is. Yeah, the side effects that, you know, you, most people don't even notice that it's even happening to them. All of a sudden, they're just you know, not feeling, just don't have the pep that they used to. Testosterone is key hormone for males and also females as well. Yeah, so by all means, you know, one of the first things we notice is our energy level declines. We're fatigued in the middle of the day or we feel like, you know, we have to go and take a nap. But in addition to the energy, you know, it can create mental fog when your levels are low. You're not able to stay focused on a task at hand or maybe you start a project around the house and you never finish it. Just kind of unmotivated to deal with that. And, you know, additionally, a lot of guys just think that it, you know, the only thing it has to do with is our sexual performance. And that's far from the truth. In fact, it is a, a major part of that. Generally, that's not the thing that bothers the guys the most. And so, yes, this does address our libido as well. Uh, that's a big part of that. The other things are really by far the, the key drivers in why guys come in and get tested and and want to get that fixed. They just want to, you know, have the energy they once felt and, and be their normal selves again. And, you know, restoring your testosterone levels to what would be considered an optimized level will make a difference for them. A lot of doctors just want to look at their levels and say, well, it's normal for your age or everything appears to be okay. And say, yeah, but doc, but I've got this, this, and this that's bothering me. So it is not okay, even though that level is kind of low normal. So we focus on getting a guy's levels to what would be considered an optimized level level, not just a normalized level. And there's a major difference in the philosophy and how we approach that. By far, this is what's going to help keep you energetic, keep you moving around. And study after study shows all the, the clinical and health benefits of having testosterone levels that are considered therapeutic levels or even optimized levels. You can see the benefits, you know, based on the literature reviews and data and research that just proves that. Yes, there are risks associated with testosterone therapy, but if those risks are managed properly, 
you know, a guy can be on testosterone therapy with optimized levels for the rest of his life if those parameters are followed and tracked. Well, it's just one of those things that guys don't want to talk about, you know, because it is their manhood. You know, somehow they tie it to all that. But in reality, it is just another hormone in your body that keeps it driving without it. Or if it's really low, then you are not optimized running machine like you should be. It's just as important as knowing your cholesterol numbers, just as important as knowing your prostate screening numbers. And you need to know your testosterone number. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for a simple $10 test, you know, we're running a special this month. You can come in here and get your testosterone level checked for 10 bucks. Normally, we charge 50 bucks for the test just to kind of cover our expenses. If a person is deemed treatable based on that criteria, there are certain criteria that have to be met with that number and some presence of the symptoms, of course, that fee goes towards the cost of your treatment. So you're not necessarily out of pocket for the test, but it's just to help cover our uh, our costs. Well, I definitely recommend everybody stopping in and taking advantage of the $10 testosterone screening and then talk to John and talk to the crew over here at KT and see if there's something that will work for you and make you just make yourself feel better. KT Wellness, check them out at ktwellness.com and give them a call.